Today I want to kick off a brand new series. We're starting off a brand new series. We may go nine weeks, we may go ten weeks, we may go eight weeks, we may go twelve weeks. I don't know how long we're going to go. We're trying not to put a deadline on it because we're trying to be thorough with this series that we're going into. And so we're kicking off this series and the name of the series is called Fight Club. <laughs> it's called Fight Club. And, and, and it's going to be a great series on spiritual warfare. Um, in, in 1864, there was a, a physician named Ignaz uh, Simmelweis. I probably butchered his name, but you, you, that's not important. Uh, <laughs> he stumbled onto a theory that we call germ theory. And, and so in 1864, in those days, they would, everyone thought that diseases would spontaneously generate in the body because there was something wrong with the body. So maybe there was too much blood. They used to believe that you had too much blood. <laughs> they used to think that you were too hot, not like you think, though, like temperature-wise, you know what I'm saying? And, and so they thought that that was the reasons. But what, what Simmelweis realized is that doctors would go from working on corpses or working on dead people to delivering babies, and they wouldn't wash their hands. So he came up with this germ theory that they were spreading germs because they weren't washing their hands. And he pushed it hard. He believed in it, though he had no proof. He couldn't prove it because you couldn't see the microbes. You couldn't see the germs. So they, they thought he was so crazy, they put him in an, in an insane asylum. And then he eventually died in that insane asylum. Only until a couple of years later, they developed a powerful enough microscope to be able to see the microbes that he was talking about and realize that he was right the whole time. There was something going on in the unseen that was killing people. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. Many of you are unaware of the real battle that's going on around you, against you, and your family. Many of you are unaware. Some of you are in denial that you even have an enemy. Some of you don't even want to believe that there's a real Satan. When the Bible tells you that he's walking around like a lion looking for someone to devour. So the real enemy of your soul exists whether you can see him or not. Now C.S. Lewis said something in his screw tape letters. He said, there are two equally wrong and equally damaging errors in thinking when it comes to devils and demons. He said one is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to have an unhealthy interest in them. And many of you know people that have on both sides of that, right? You know people that, ah, oh, no, nah, the devil's not real. And then you know other people that, like they're, they're experts in the devil. And you wonder where they went to school to get all this information on the devil, they went a little too far with the, the demonology, right? <laughs> and so we know people on both those sides, and it's not that we need to be on either side. We need to have a healthy understanding of who the enemy is of your soul, but you don't need to chase him. You don't need to give him any more time. Come on, you just need to be ready for him. And so that's what I hope we do with this series. So today I want to kick off round one with a message called Get Ready to rumble. So here we go.
it, it was supposed to go real smooth. We practiced it before. Let's try that one more time. So, no, no. So, so I want to kick off the series with a message titled, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. There you go. All right. Now I feel better. All right. Good job. All right. I looked at her. She was supposed to hit it. She's looking at her notes. I'm like, bad time. It's okay. You did great. We're going to be all right. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to spend a lot of time in Ephesians 6 today. Starting in verse 10. Paul says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you might be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So let's break that verse down for a second before we get too far. Paul is telling us one final thing, which is important. He's saying, be strong. Where is he saying to be strong at? He's saying to be strong in the Lord and whose mighty power? His mighty power. You don't fight spiritual demons and you don't fight a spiritual enemy with physical muscles. You can be bowed up as you want to be and still get defeated by the enemy. You fight it in his power. Your strength is in the Lord. It's not in your flesh. Come on. It's not in your flesh. You've got you to you divorce the flesh today to understand that my fight is one in Jesus and it's one through his mighty power, not my own. So then Paul says to put on all of God's armor so that you might be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Watch this. If you'll put on all the armor, you'll defeat all the strategies. If you put on some of the armor, you'll only defeat some of the strategies. For too long, I've watched Christians go into spiritual battle, go into a spiritual war, and they're not completely dressed. And so they get up in this battle and they're warring and they're praying and they're crying out to God, but they're half naked. And what ends up happening is their life starts to fall apart. And who you thought used to be super spiritual, you realize now is fighting half naked. And what was never meant to kill them but to distract them is now distracting them and almost killing their life. Because they didn't put on all the armor to defeat all the strategies. We're going to get into that in just a minute. It's important to have all. Amen? So who's in the fight? I want to answer a couple of questions today. Who's fighting? Well, the believers are fighting. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ, welcome to the war. <laughs> May you be blessed and highly flavored. <laughs> you're in a fight. I don't know how you were saved. I don't know if you were saved under the sunshine and the flowers and the sweet Jesus and you'll never have problems now that you're saved. But the day you gave your life to Jesus, you adopted an enemy. In fact, I'll say even before you gave your life to Jesus, the enemy was already after you. So we're in the fight. Who's fighting with us? Angels are fighting with you. Come on, you can't see them, but they're fighting with you. Right? The Holy Spirit's fighting with you. God's fighting with you. Jesus is fighting with you. And watch this. The saints that have died before us are in the crowds. And you know what they're doing? They're cheering you on. Come on, champ. You got this. The enemy knows how to die. <laughs> he knows he spent most of his life defeated. He knows how to be defeated. You got this. Jesus has already won, in fact. You got this. You got a whole crowd of people. I imagine in my mind a Roman Colosseum 
I'm in the ground fighting against an enemy but behind me or on side of me is angels that I can't see, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, right, that are warring. I got other believers there, but in the crowd are all the saints that went on to be with the Lord. And they're cheering me on. They're not there for, for Satan. They're here for me. And you're fighting against who? Not your wife. <laughs> not your children. Not your neighbor. Not your boss. Not the guy who cuts you off in traffic. Though you want to fight. Come on, somebody. Your fight is against Satan. Demons. Principalities of darkness. Evil spirits. That's who you're fighting against. You can't see them, though. Oh, we got to straighten some things up. Because some of you are very good at fighting. You're just fighting in the wrong ring. So where is the fight? Most believers, or most people believe that the fight is here on earth in the flesh and the blood. And this is where we get in trouble a lot of times because we want to fight against other people. Because we think that they're the problem. I'm telling you today, the battle is not in the flesh. God says it in his word, it's not in the flesh, it's in the unseen world. So this is where we get in trouble a lot of times. Here's the truth though, you can see the results of a spiritual battle here, but the battle is taking place in the unseen world. You can see the results of it here, and I'll show it to you in a minute, but the battle's really up there. So watch, watch what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says. It says, for we do not, say do not. I added a word, sorry. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He gives us three locations. He gives us the unseen world. He gives us this dark world that we live in. By the way, 1 John says that the world we live in right now is under the sway of the wicked one. Yeah, that's the dark world that we live in. And then he says, in the heavenly places. So Paul, writing this, recognized that even though he had been beaten criticized, imprisoned, and abandoned in the flesh, there was something behind that, something unseen that was going on. He felt the battle in the flesh. We feel the battle in the flesh, but it's not where the battle is. Are you with me? Paul felt it in the flesh, but he never struck out against another person. He realized that there was something behind that person. There was something that he couldn't see that he was actually up against, and it wasn't that person. So there's a powerful and active spirit world out there that you can't see, but you can feel it and see the results of it. I want you to notice real quick how Paul describes this opponent that we have. Listen to the words that Paul uses, evil rulers authorities, watch this, mighty powers, evil spirits. That's how Paul describes the enemy of your soul. 
That's your opponent. Notice it's not wife, it's not children, it's not neighbors, it's not extended family at the family reunion. Paul's description tells us about his encounters with them. So you might be thinking that Paul experienced these these evils in the flesh and you would be right by thinking that because Paul himself was influenced by a spirit when his name was Saul. You see, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. And when Paul was Saul, Paul had some issues. Paul was under the influence of of an evil spirit. It was was. It was disguised as a religious spirit. So in the name of God, Paul was ripping Christians out of their homes, beating them, throwing them into prison, and causing all kind of havoc until one day when he met Jesus, his whole life was transformed, and he went from Saul, the one influenced by an evil spirit, to Paul, the one filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you today, God's still in the business of changing Saul's to Paul's. He's the one that changes the Saul into the Paul. When Jesus touched his life, he changed forever. And that power that influenced him was broken off of him. I'm telling you, telling you, I'm telling you, a good spiritual fight can change a Saul into a Paul. It's happening all around us. Sometimes we don't recognize it as that, but listen to me, it's happening all around us. God is moving in the city of Eunice. God is moving in this church. Saul's are turning into Paul's. Next question, can we use weapons? (laughs) That's a good question. Yeah, you can use weapons. Some of you are wondering if we can fight dirty. You can fight dirty. (laughs) It's a fight, y'all. Ain't no rules. (laughs) Yeah. Verse 13. They're put on every, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're equipped. (laughs) You got some stuff to fight with. Yeah. It might not look like an AR-15, but it's better. Come on. You don't need a night scope. You got prayer. So we may get into the armor a little bit deeper in another message, but I want to give you briefly, just to break it down for you real quick, there's, there's some defensive armor found in verses 14 to 17. There's the belt of truth that holds all your stuff together. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just got to keep it together. <laughs> there's a breastplate of righteousness, something that protects your most vital organs, your, like your heart. There's the shoes of the good news that, and that bring peace in your life. And then there's the shield of faith that puts out the fiery darts of the enemy. Let me tell you something. Since I wrote this message Thursday, the enemy's thrown a new lie at me every day since. I'm painting a house yesterday, and he's trying to convince me of something that just ain't true. Yeah. 
So I'm paying the house. The guy across the street's dealing drugs. I'm tempted to call the cops on him. The enemy's lying to me. I'm having chaos, and I'm just trying to pay the house. Somebody just leave me alone. The enemy's just gnawing on my ears until you know what I did? I started shutting him up. I started preaching to him. I started preaching back. That's a lie. That's not true. You can take your lie and you can go to hell with it. I had enough. How long are you going to deal with him gnawing on your ears? Shut him up. A shield of faith. A helmet of salvation. These are your defensive, this is your defensive armor. Listen to me. You got to have this when you go through a battle because this is what keeps you together. You're losing your stuff when you don't need to because you ain't wearing all the armor you're supposed to. Your life's falling apart because you got nothing holding you together. You might be missing some truth. You might be missing some righteousness. Maybe some good news. You know, some days you just got to remind the devil what Jesus did on the cross. Some days you just got to go, bro, hold up a second, time out. Don't you remember what Jesus did on the cross? He hates it when you do that. Why? Because it shuts him up. But you're missing something. What are you missing? Can, Can I just tell you this? If your life is falling apart and you're going through a spiritual battle, can you just stop for a minute and maybe realize you didn't put something on? So instead of just sitting there taking a beat, won't you just go back to the closet, get it, and put it back on? (laughs) I mean, it's not that difficult. Like if I'm missing some truth, why not phone a friend and get some truth? Why not talk to Jesus and get some truth? Instead of just sitting in a puddle of tears, won't you call out to Jesus and let him speak some truth over you? Because the reason you got in that puddle is because the enemy convinced you that you're no good and God don't love you. Then we have some offensive weapons. The sword of the spirit, which is your Bible. I got a new Bible. It's a leather Bible, y'all. This one ain't going to flake off and stick to my arms like the other one did. But it was a good Bible. I still love that old Bible, even though it's messy. This one's real leather. Somebody bought me this one. Bless the mess out of me. And I got me a new sword. I'm learning how to swing it. It's a little different than the other one. This one's real leather. All right? Real leather swings better than plastic. Come on, somebody. I got a sword of the spirit. You got prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, 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 don't get quiet now because I said prayer because you think prayer is something that we just do when we have to. Do you know you get to pray? Do you know it's a privilege to pray? You should never take for granted the ability to talk to the creator of the universe. We should never take that for granted. We should never water it down and say, well, I guess all we can do is pray. You should have been praying on the front side. Obedience is an offensive weapon. I'm telling you, you think obedience is all about you. Obedience isn't all about you. Let me tell you something. When you obey what God tells you, it's not just about you. It's about you're pushing back the the, the kingdom of darkness and you're advancing the kingdom of God. 
Amen? So obedience for a single believer is, is for the good of the whole kingdom. Not just myself. So I don't need to obey for myself. So just because you don't like to do what God wants you to do, you might ought to do it for somebody else. I know. I know. Jesus showed us how to use a sword in Luke chapter 6 when he went into the wilderness with the devil for 40 days. You see, the enemy knows how to use a sword too. What did he throw at Jesus? Some sword of the Spirit. What did Jesus throw back? Some sword of the Spirit. They had themselves an old school sword fight. Jesus won, right? If Jesus won, we win, right? You just better learn how to use your sword because there's a big difference between owning a Bible and knowing how to use a Bible. Yeah, I might ought to say that one more time. There's a big difference between owning a Bible and knowing how to use a Bible. Yeah, I was so twisted in my theology when I graduated high school. I went to college and I stuck a Bible behind the seat of my truck thinking that that was my protection. And that Bible stayed there until I sold my truck. It didn't help. It was stuck behind the seat. I couldn't use it. It wasn't in my heart, right? It was behind the seat. Yeah, I'm glad you got one on the coffee table. I'm glad you got one in your, in your book bag, but are you using it? That's the real question. Because if you're not using it, you're fighting with bare knuckles and your enemy has a sword. So when does the fight start? <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping one day, I just, this is me, all right, just bear with me for a minute, but I really hope one day I get to see something like a movie clip. Like I really, I'm really hoping this, like seriously, that I get to see a movie clip of my life and I get to see my grandma's prayers, my great uncle's prayers, my mama's prayers, all the people the church I got saved in's prayers. I want to see the, the war that took place just for me to do what I did. Just for me to live on the planet. Just for me to have my name written in the book. I want to see what took place. I'm hoping one day God lets me see what took place to get me where I am today. Because without him, I'm not here. When does the fight start? A lot of times it starts after a great spiritual experience. Go get you a good moment with Jesus. Go get filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues. He'll come the next day and try to take it from you. It comes after the beginning of a new spiritual step. Anytime God's calling you to grow, anytime God's getting ready to move you into a new season, here comes the enemy, here comes the attack. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that as long as you're settled, the enemy's not threatened. He comes when you're weak. Oh, yeah, he don't fight fair. Why should you fight fair? He comes when you're isolated. <laughs> he comes when you're isolated. When you get offended and you get discouraged and you get down and out and you decide to go have your own little camp meeting over here all by yourself and for some reason the enemy convinced you that the people that can help you are your enemy now. They're not your enemy. They're your protection. They're the people you need to dig into. 
not run away from. I'm tired of seeing people go into a spiritual battle and leave the church. Lord Jesus, you left the army. You think you Rambo? Braveheart? Rocky? I'm going to stop. He'll come at you when you're isolated. In fact, that's what he was trying to do, was to isolate you. Come on, National Geographic can preach. When the lion's chasing the gazelle, what is he trying to do? Just get one. He can't eat the whole herd. He just wants one. I just want to get one to stray off, and when I get it to stray off, me and my boys, we're going to jump on it, and we're going to eat. He's trying to isolate you. Freebie, if you feel like you need to isolate and run away, turn the switch and turn back to the church of God and run to the church. Go grab your brother or sister that you've been growing with and say, look, you're going to have to pray for me. You're going to have to help me. I feel like running. I feel like hiding. I'm upset. I'm offended. I'm discouraged right now. Can you help me? And then he even comes after a fall. Mm. Doesn't he? Yeah, you'll fall into sin. And he's right there to just keep his foot on your neck. Yeah. He's there to take you out, I'm telling you. He don't like you. Because of what you got in you. Because where your name's written. He don't like you. You mess up his game plan. You might accidentally obey God and, and push back his kingdom. He'll come after you after a fall. That's why it's important to hurry up and get back up. <laughs> come on, anybody watch UFC? Nobody watches the UFC? I'm in the wrong dang church. I'm going to another church. Okay, like, like it's not a sin to watch UFC, y'all. It's a fight. It's a sin to watch the lady with the numbers, but, I mean, it's not a sin to watch the fight. Just turn the TV off when she comes out with the numbers and turn it back on when it's time to fight. Lord, help us. <laughs> but nobody just lays on their back. Why? Because you're vulnerable. Don't stay down. Jesus already knew you was going to sin. So when you sin, get up. Instead of getting good and not sinning, won't you get good at getting back up and then you'll quit falling down? So how do I fight? I'm going to wrap it up with this. You getting something yet? How do I fight? Number one, you need to recognize the enemy. You need to recognize the enemy. Like I said earlier, some of you have been fighting a spiritual fight in the wrong ring. You've been fighting against people. Your fight is not against people. Yes, people can hurt you. Yes, people can do damage to you. But your fight is not against them. Your fight is against what's behind them. Your fight is against the, the unseen world. Verse 18 in Ephesians 6. Listen to what he says carefully. Because we're going to recognize the enemy. And some of you don't know how to recognize the enemy. Some of you have been misrecognizing the enemy. I don't know if that's proper English or not, but forgive me. It's good, all right. Verse 18, pray in the spirit, watch this, at all times. 
Pastor, how long should I pray in the Spirit? All the time. You mean like I can pray in tongues all Pray in tongues all the time till you get a tongue cramp. You ever prayed that long? You ever prayed long enough your tongue locked up? Come on. You know what church you get. This ain't no Baptist church. This is a Holy Ghost church. We pray in tongues around here. Amen? Some of you ain't clapping because you ain't been praying. Don't let the enemy take your weapon from you. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. In other words, don't be so so self-focused that you're only praying for you. (laughs) You need to get a burden for somebody else. Yeah. You see, when you pray in the spirit, God will show you who's struggling. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, not for you to post it, though. For you to pray it. Right? For you to pray. For you to go to war for them. Had a guy one time prayed for me regularly. He told me, I used to pray for you on Saturday nights. He said, but now I'm having to pray for you on Thursday nights. Why is that? So I'm glad you brought that up. I said, because come Thursday, I start coming under attack from the enemy. He goes, that's what I figured. I'll pray for you on Thursdays now. Do you have any idea what that means to me? Has somebody actually prayed for me? Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Your secret weapon is your prayer life. Leonard Ravenhill, one of his famous quotes is, no man is greater than his prayer life. Ha, you want to get greater? Get a better prayer life. No man is greater than his prayer life. Prayer is your scout. You know, in the war times, they would send a scout out to find out where the enemy is, right? To find out what the enemy's doing. Is now the time to go to war? Are they sleeping? Are they drunk? Are they distracted? Are they eating? Come on, because now might be the time to attack it. When you pray, that becomes your scout. Let me see if I can explain it a little bit better. When you pray, the God who knows everything is who you're praying to, and he begins to give you a strategy. It's called instructions. He gives you instructions when you pray, and some of you don't want to pray because you don't want some instructions. But let me tell you something. The instructions are good for you. Because all indications might be saying to you that you need to turn right, but when you pray, God says, no, go left. It's because one part of what he's instructing you is, is where the enemy is or where a trap is. So when you live independent and you live not relying on God and you live an unsubmitted life, watch this, you take turns you're not supposed to take and you step in traps. And then you turn around and get mad at God because he let you step in a trap. But you didn't listen to him when he said to turn left. I tried that praying thing. It didn't work. (laughs) You might be the first person ever. (laughs) Some translations take this verse, this first part, and they say, uh, in fact, the NIV does. It says, pray with all kinds of prayers. Do you know there's more than one kind of prayer? Yeah, there's worship prayers, there's praise prayers, there's prayers for provision, 
prayers for protection. How many of you know when you pray consistently, this different? <laughs> Y'all just made me real nervous. Like, like it's, there's different kinds of prayers. There's joyful prayers. There's sorrowful prayers, right? Intimate prayers, excited prayers. Have you ever prayed some battle prayers? Hmm. You ever got a little amped up in the spirit? Some of you, this might be brand new. You ever got into some battle prayers and it got elevated and like your blood pressure came up? Yeah, uh-huh. Like the veins in your neck started to pop out? Like you ever got in a battle prayer and you were ready to take on somebody physically, you felt like the Incredible Hulk, like muscles were popping out on you, but they really wasn't. But, but you just thought it was because it felt that way because you're battle praying. I've set, I've set up to two, three o'clock in the morning sometimes praying over loved ones to come to Christ and for their life to turn around. And it started out with, Lord Jesus, please, please help them, please help. And before the night was over with, it was battle prayers. It was stomping through the house. Why? Because there's a battle going on in the spiritual world and battles aren't nice and pretty. I've prayed that prayer over many of you. As you see, when, the, when you pray, God shows you what's going on with the people around you too. So praying in the spirit keeps your eyes open and your heart aware of what's going on around you. So how do we fight? Number one, we have to recognize the enemy. If you're not praying, you're not recognizing nothing. Number two, you have to engage in the fight with courage. I'm going to tell you a funny story. My mama taught me how to fight. My mama taught me how to fight. Like physically fight. So I lived on this block and it was, we lived on the corner and there was a set of cousins that lived next to us and a set of cousins that lived next to them and we're all about the same age. We used to run the neighborhood. We beat up all the other kids in the neighborhood until they didn't want to come around anymore. Then we start beating up on each other. We had some issues. There was a demonic influence. <laughs> but my mama taught me how to fight. She saw me come home a couple days with some scars and some scratches and, and a black eye. She said, boy, what's going on? with you I said well Bobby and Timmy's been beating me up oh no I said yes ma'am she said let me tell you something boy the next time they come at you you look around on the ground and you find something that you can swing you pick it up and I'm not lying this is what she told me you beat the hell out of them <laughs> my mama was almost Medea <laughs> I'm just saying she said you beat the hell out of them so the next day, here come Bobby and Timmy. And I was like, uh-oh. And they got me underneath the trailer house. That's how bad it was. They were, they were on top of me underneath the trailer house. I looked over, I saw a brick. I grabbed the brick, started swinging. I whooped both of them. They ain't mess with me no more. My mama taught me how to fight. She just taught me how to fight the wrong fight. My mama never taught me how to fight a spiritual fight. So I quit swinging bricks. Most days. <laughs> I swing a sword now. Come on. 
You remember a couple of weeks ago when we was wrapping up the relationship series, I gave you the story of Samuel when the Amalekites had taken everything from him. And, and, and he went to God. He was distraught. His guys wanted to, to, to take him out. He went to God, and God gave him a promise. Remember this? A promise and, and permission. He gave him permission and a promise. Yes, go and fight. David asked, can I go and fight? God said, yes. And he, then he gave him a promise, you'll, you'll get everything back. And so David went after his enemy. He just turned and went after his enemy. He engaged in the fight with courage. That's what we have to do starting today. We have to engage in the fight with courage. Sometimes courage looks like your knees shaking. Courage in its simplest understanding is just showing up no matter how you get there. Come on, Gideon. David went after his enemy, and he got everything back. And he annihilated his enemy, engaged in the fight with courage. How long do I fight past until the enemy's dead? Because some of you got more quit than you got fight. When the fight gets a little tough, you quit. You're good at quitting. You're bad at fighting. Would it feel better if I said it with a smile on my face? Like some of you got more quit than you got fight. You give up too easy. Why don't you fight more than you quit? Does that help? You want to know the truth? Many have gone before you and many have fought and many have won. And I want you to get this today. Even if I die, I still win. So let's, let's talk worst case scenario for a second. Even if I die fighting a spiritual fight, I still win. Come on, Stephen. Come on, Stephen. Stephen was preaching the gospel while they were stoning him, right? Stephen's preaching the gospel. They're throwing stones at him. He's down on the ground about to go see Jesus. Heaven opens up. He looks and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He's dying. Jesus is standing. He's not sitting anymore. And Stephen goes, Father, forgive them the flesh. You see it? You see it? Forgive the flesh because they're influenced by something spiritual. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Even in his death, he still won. Come on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You take me out. I still win. I still win. I think about the disciples. They still win. Amen? So I want you to go after the enemy like all of heaven is fighting with you. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You remember David went to war to get his stuff back. He went with two things. He went with permission, and then he went with a promise. Today, I want to give you permission, and I just gave you a promise. Jesus said, he said, but take heart. In other words, don't lose your heart. Don't lose your heart. Take heart because I have overcome the world. Which leads me into the third point of how to fight is we fight from victory and not for victory. 
Yep, you're going to have to get a little understanding on this. We fight from victory, not for victory. Revelations chapter 12 says this, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by, the, and by their testimony. Some translations say by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. In that portion of Revelations, it's talking talking about the dragon being cast down to the earth. The dragon represents Satan. And and Jesus told John, he he said that the enemy, the dragon, is defeated by the blood of the lamb, which is what Jesus did, and by the word of your testimony, which is what you do. So how's the enemy defeated? By what Jesus did and by what you say. Okay, some of you weren't paying attention. How does the enemy get defeated? By the blood of the lamb. Already done, right? And by the word of, the te- of your testimony. By what Jesus did and by what you say. It should transform the way you talk. Your testimony is living and breathing. It should be growing. It should be changing. You don't have a testimony just to share with people. You have a testimony to defeat an enemy. Come on. When temptation comes your way, you tell Satan, I've been delivered, bruh. That thing's broken off of me, bruh. What are you doing? You're giving your testimony back to the enemy. You're reminding him of what's already been done. You better know your testimony and you better start using your testimony. Because some of you got your mouth shut for too long. You're fussing about the wrong things. You're getting pulled into a flesh fight and you're sitting there like two pit bulls barking at each other and ain't nothing in the spiritual world getting accomplished. It's time to be intentional with your words. Some of you need to pull back what you say. Some of you say way too much of the wrong stuff. But some of you ain't saying nearly enough. So how long are you going to let the enemy bombard you? How long are you going to let him torment you? Days? Weeks? Months? Years? How long do you want to stay in that? Come on. How long do you want to live in a broke down marriage? It'll just be this way till we die. Just my cross to bear. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That ain't your cross, that's your wife. How long? Come on, you need to answer that today. How long do you want to sit with this? How long do you want to walk with this? How long are you going to fuss about this? How long are you going to complain about this? How long are you going to whine about this? How long are you going to cry about this? It's time to fight. (laughs) He's defeated by the blood of the lamb and by what you say. You know, sometimes you just got to say your way out of it. I'm not talking about claiming, naming, and framing, all that kind of goofy stuff. I'm talking about some real stuff. I ain't trying to get a pink Cadillac. That don't do me no good in a spiritual battle. 
I'm trying to get some victory, right? I'm trying to live in victory. I'm trying to take back what's already mine, what's, what the blood's already done. So all I'm doing when I give the word of my testimony is I'm agreeing with what the blood did, right? So I'm piggybacking on what the, world, what the blood did with the word of my testimony, and the enemy gets cast down. And it's time for him to be cast down. Amen? Your testimony should be developing. It should be growing. <laughs> it shouldn't just be when you got saved. Now, if you were saved 10 minutes ago, that's great. <laughs> but God immediately starts working in your life. Come on. It shouldn't just be about cigarettes anymore. You should have moved past cigarettes. <laughs> I know, but you should move past it. So we're not trying to gain something that's already been accomplished. You know what this will do? This will change the way you pray. You'll pray from victory instead of for victory. Ms. Yon walked up to church this morning and she told me about some things she's going through physically. And she'll, she'll testify. I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, you are healed in Jesus' name. Already healed. I didn't say, Lord, please heal her. I said, you are healed in Jesus' name. What did I do? I just declared what was already done. Are you seeing that? It'll change the way you pray. I'm not begging God for something. I'm declaring what God's already done. Because last time I checked, Jesus already took the stripes that heal us. So we don't need to ask him to take more stripes. We just need to declare what's already been done. It'll change the way you approach relationships. It'll change the way you look at your life. You're a child of God. You're victorious. You don't bow down to this world. You're more than a conqueror. You're supposed to be running this world. Heaven forbid you bow down to this world. You were adopted into a family. You're royalty. You got a seat at the table. You're loved more than everybody else in this dark world. Amen? So this is where your faith grows. Faith don't grow in the locker room. It grows in the Coliseum. It grows in the fight. You know where all my stories come from? All my stories come from the fight. I can tell you story after story after story. My stories come from the fight, not the locker room. Battles aren't won in the locker room. They're won in the fight. Amen? Romans chapter 8, last verse. You can play. Romans 8, verse 37 and 38. No, despite all these things, overwhelming, listen to that word, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Overwhelming. When's the last time you've been overwhelmed? When's the last time you've been overwhelmed by victory in Christ? When's the last time you lost your stuff in a good way? Leeson sent a song out to the worship team.
this morning or last night and it was a song about talking to Jesus and the song brought me back to when I used to see my grandma talking to Jesus and I was a kid and I lost my stuff in a good way because I was overwhelmed by how much my grandma influenced me. Overwhelmed. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Ah, what a verse. Come on, what a verse. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can take you away. tell me you believe that Lord overwhelm us I pray today God overwhelm us with victory overwhelm us with victory God some of the folks in this room have been fighting the same fight for too long it's time for some victory Lord overwhelm us with victory Pour out your love on us so much, God, that it gets us out of this place of despair and into a place of celebration over the victory. I pray that over us today, God. Bring it over us today. We thank you for victory on the cross. We thank you that the enemy is already defeated. We thank you that we'll spend eternity in heaven and that even if our life gets taken in the mission, we still win. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything that you did on the cross, everything that you did in the grave everything that you did in the resurrection. Thank you for what you're doing today. God, we bless you. Worship you. I want to help you make a declaration today. So I want you to say this with me. Because of Jesus, victory is mine. My enemy is defeated of Jesus. His blood defeated my enemy. My word defeats the enemy. Lord, help me with my words. I will live in victory today going forward. message. Thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, move in the hearts of every person here. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning.